Rose. Salut les punks! Welcome to the Punk Rocket Show, episode 69. My name is Emily and I'm your host. Yeah, I'm lucky. <laughs> I'm Québécoise, aka French Canadian, and my biggest passion is punk rock music. And I'm happy to spend some time with you today. This week, we're gonna talk about skateboarding, and I have a rad guest for that. The legendary Steve Caballero! Wow! Steve plays in the band Uretain, so you're gonna hear two of their songs. I'm also gonna share your stories about skateboarding, and I make a recommendation for the band For Us, or For Us in French, because they're from France. Okay, the show is starting now, let's go! Bonjour, bonjour! I hope you are doing great! Hey, I'm sorry, I ghosted you last week. Like, I literally ghosted you. <laughs> But yeah, I took a week off without telling you <laughs> how toxic I am, huh? But I was very busy because, well, first of all, three of my really good girlfriends needed some support. So, and that was my absolute priority. And also, I attended to a great festival here in Quebec City. It's called Festival d'été de Québec. And I went there like three times last week. I watched some great bands like Lights. I don't know if you know her. She's Canadian and plays some electro rock pop music. She's awesome. I also had the chance to watch Walk of the Earth. Um, Sarah Blackwood is the singer of this band. She used to play in the Creep Show. I love her so much. She's a great artist. And also, I went to the punk rock night. I almost watched Millen Collin. No, that's not true. I saw the end because <laughs> I was in the lineup for hours. And when they started to play, I was still trying to get in the venue. But I could hear them, so I heard the old set of Millen Collin. And I got in finally, just on time for a Penguin and Polar Bears Olympic and no cigar. So it made me happy. <laughs> uh, Pennywise was there too. They gave us a phenomenal show. I really loved the, their set. And I'm going to tell you a secret. I almost liked Broim. <coughs> <laughs> Because usually I'm tired of this song. So usually I go, I leave early or I go to the bathroom or I go get a drink. But this time I was like, oh, it's fun. Whoa, and I was like <laughs> giving high five to people around me. It was fun. And Sum 41 was headlining the show. What a great night. Oh, wow. So yeah, I had a very busy week and I felt like I didn't have enough time to do an episode, a proper episode. But here I am. Now, super motivated, I might take one or two other weeks off in August and September because it's summertime! Repugmentation. So today is a big skateboard episode! Yo, do a kickflip! So let's listen to one of my favorite skateboard songs from the French band Forest For Us. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that, but it's F O R. US. So I would say for us, but I don't know. I always pronounced it with the French accent for us. <laughs> 
So the song is called I Only Go to School for the End Rails. It's a magical song. If you don't know this band, go check them. I'm not sure if they are still active, but wow, they are playing some very technical, fast punk rock. And the songs don't have a... I would say quote-unquote normal structure <laughs> like verse, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, etc. But I love that. It's always a surprise. It's always really good. So let's listen to the song. Hi, I'm Chad Celsius. I'm going to teach you how to backboard handrails today. Let's go. So before I present you my conversation with Steve Caballero, I wanted to share your stories Story time. about skateboarding. I asked you to send me some of your stories on Instagram and you made me laugh and almost cry. There was some emotional stories. I love you so much, guys. So here are some of my favorite. So Sean writes... I remember back in 2002 in the summer with a crew of friends that all skated. We would skate all day and one of them had a boombox CD player <laughs> and would have mixed CDs and one CD stood out the most for me and it was Millen Collin. 
The music got us all hyped. Everyone was having a fun time. Lots of tricks were landed, skating through the town center in the road with the music blasting and everyone looking at us, but we didn't care because we were having fun. Yeah. Another dude said, I just got back into skateboarding after 15 years. I've had to reteach myself how to skate and it's been amazing for fighting off depression and forgetting the world isn't shambles. Oof, this is so true. We all need that kind of stuff to survive the world these days, huh? My patron, Anna, she says, I want to learn it. Am I too old for it? My husband used to, but just rolling, nothing special tricks. Hmm. So I think Anna is early 30s, I would say. No, it's not too late. Of course not. Just be careful. <laughs> Proof. Someone else said, I'm 33 years old and still skate. It really is so closely tied to my love for punk rock music. Watching video parts that use Lagwagon and NoFX in the 90s as well as the old school Warp Tours actually featuring ramps and bring skaters on tour. Wow. I also got a message from Matt. I don't know how old is he, but he says, I still skate. I started when I was eight or nine, just riding down my driveway. I saw older kids who had boards and a trasher mag with Quinn Cardona on the cover and I was hooked. I love the graphics, the good times with friends and the freedom of it all. There is no coach pressuring you to score a touchdown. There is just you and your board with a million ways to manipulate it, to do tricks and a billion ways to slam. My nine years old and current local skaters inspire me. Wow. I also got an answer from Jess and she says, I'm going to translate from French. So she says, once I was 17 years old with a friend, we were watching Jackass. <laughs> and we wanted to imitate them. So we did some blindfolded skateboard. We threw ourselves from a huge hill. Oof, I'm so happy, Jess, you're still alive. Fais <laughs> attention, Jess. Jonathan wrote me, I've stopped skateboarding now, but for a long time, it was my whole life. The freedom, the creativity, the friendships, traveling, and of course, the music. Such a wide, var varied scope of music that ultimately led me to play bass. I still keep on to date with current skating and always will. Wow, I got a lot of message um, from people telling me that they got into skateboard because of Tony Hawk Pro Skater game on PlayStation and also because of the track list, of course. Someone else wrote me growing up in the Middle East. Uh, I think he's from Dubai. Okay, so growing up in the Middle East, I didn't have access to much punk music, but skate videos friends would bring back from holidays at all the best soundtrack in the late 90s, early 2000. Exposed me to skate punk. We used to have to buy our skateboards from a swimwear shop. Most of us had the same decks. Oh, that's great. I'm sorry, guys. I'm bad at reading. <laughs> okay, another great story is from Keith. 
Um, okay, he said, I've been skateboarding since 1987. I still go out now and again to keep warm, but nothing like we were back in the 90s. Back in the UK, we had a big crew. On a good day, we could have 40 of us at a spot. The scene back then was nothing like it is now. It hadn't sold out and we were seen as absolute scum <laughs> of the earth by security guards, the police and people in the street. We would have to mail order videos from the States to know what was going on. And of course, Trasher magazine provided the news on the underground. It's so amazing. He says also, it's an incredibly creative activity. Everyone who rocks up to a spot has a different way of expressing their flair via their trick of choice. Also, I think two people in their late 30s, early 40s told me that skateboarding helped them uh, getting sober and stop drinking. I think it is so rad for real. Good job, guys. A lot of you got injured too. Oof, a lot of <laughs> um, broken ankles and knees and elbows. Ooh. And also Mark said... Once I fell off my skateboard and broke my two upper teeth. <laughs> fuck. I was broke as fuck and couldn't afford going to the dentist yet. And I had to stay like this for three months. I actually felt so badass and was almost sad when I finally got them repaired. <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories. Wow. And now it's the time to listen to my conversation with Steve. Ah, uh, so interesting. I was nervous because honestly, I don't know much about skateboarding and I'm always a little shy to talk about stuff that I don't know about. <laughs> like asking the listeners question of something I don't really know. Even if I did some research, you know, I wasn't totally comfortable But Steve is so nice. He got me very comfortable. He's such a great human. And he was super friendly and he opened his heart about so many topics. He's a great guy. Thank you, Steve, for your time and generosity. So we talked a lot about his band, Uretane, about some skateboard memories, the warp Tours, his punk roots, life in general, also about his faith. And by the way, I'm not a religious person at all, but I was super open-minded to hear his perspective. Um, I also asked him of course your questions and during the interview you'll hear the songs Hold the Place in Time and Avalanches featuring Toby Morse from Uretain enjoy and if you want you can give me some feedback and tell me what you thought about this interview Hey Punk Rock Human if you like merch as much as I do I strongly recommend you the website epicmerchstore.com They have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, hats, long sleeves and kids merch for more than 200 punk rock, ska, hardcore and metal bands from all around the planet. So if you like bands like Good Riddance, The Dreadnoughts, Friends of Rome, After the Fall, Diesel Boy, Crank, Straight Line, Polly, Randy and many more. Oh, they also have a Tony Slide tribute merch. They support smaller and bigger bands from all around the world. Plus, they ship worldwide and you can have a flat rate shipping cost. Get your merch at epicmerchstore.com. Recording in progress. 
Good morning. How are you? <laughs> wow. Okay. So you have your coffee. Nice. That's a rad dad coffee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have a blasting room cup. mug. Yeah. What's that? I have a blasting room cup. N nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's my favorite one because it's probably my biggest, biggest mug. So I, I can fill as much coffee as I want in there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the morning for you. So it's perfect. And for me, it's like my second coffee of the day. All so, right. I'm very happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm very excited. Uh, I want to focus mainly about music today, about punk for rock. Sure. But I also got a lot of questions from the listeners about skateboarding, of course. So maybe if we have time, <laughs> I can ask you a couple of, of those questions. Um, but first, where are you now? You're in California, I think? Yeah, I'm in Southern California. I live in Carlsbad. Uh, I moved here in 2014. Um, Try to start a band <laughs> while I was here with different people. Mm -hmm. And it took a while for me to, to kind of gain some momentum as far as getting with a good group of guys that... It's hard. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's very hard. You know, it's a bunch of different relationships and, and different styles of music. And... To be honest with you, um, with the new project that I'm I'm doing right now with the band Urethane, um, I had another project a year prior to oh. that, which I was, you know, pretty full bore bass player for this band, <clears throat> and um, we wrote about ten songs, and we, but we didn't have a singer, so um, or a name for the band, and that's kind of pretty much how uh, Urethane formed. Is oh. um, you know, I found a singer you know, um, to try out for the band and th those guys didn't really care for that singer. Mm. So I'm like, well, it was really interesting. And, and I was like, oh, that's interesting that you don't hear what I hear. So I, I just told me I, we weren't on the same page. So um, I basically left that band that I was playing for a year to join with Tim, our singer. And that's how you're at the band. Oh, that was one of my questions. But prior to that, back in the days, you had other bands, right? Like of course, yeah. Um, I first discovered punk rock probably um, in the early 80s from the mm -hmm. skate parks. You know, uh, when I very first went to the skate parks in, in the, the late 70s, um, it was all about rock and roll, you know, mm -hmm. ACDC, Hard Trick, rock, yeah. yeah. And then slowly it really turned into like kind of new wave type music like Gary Newman the Go-Go's, uh, the B-52s. And then all of a sudden I heard these bands called the Dead Kennedys, mm. uh, the Ramones, the Sex Pistols. And I just kind of fell in love, fell in love with that sound. You know, I, I felt like that was kind of the energy that skateboarding was producing for me. And mm -hmm. it's something that kind of went hand in hand. So I really got into punk rock. And then I started hearing bands later on in, in the early 80s, like, um, You know, uh, the Circle Jerks. Yeah, uh, Black Flag. Black Flag, TSOL. And I really got into the L.A. hardcore scene. And then I started venturing off and, and listening to the bands from the Midwest, mm -hmm. like uh, Minor Threat, you know, um, SSD Control. Um, you know, so there was, you know, a big influence in punk rock in my life. So um, I ended up starting a band in 1982 uh called the faction and 
you know, just a bunch of group of guys from the skate park that skated together that knew how to play instruments. And we formed a band, recorded our first 45 um, in 1982. And I think I was, had only been playing bass for like six months and we were in the studio in San Francisco recording a, um, our first uh, seven inch. Wow. You know, that's a good way to start. <laughs> yeah. Straight to the point. We, we, Yeah. yeah, we made we made more records. We made an album. Um, that album paid for another 45. And wow. it just kept snowballing. And then um, our guitarist booked our first, you know, U.S. tour in 1984. And mm -hmm. I got to get in a small van and tour the whole U.S. and play a really famous place like CBGB's back in New York, you yeah. know, driving from California, wow. you know, all the way across. And in 1984, I decided I want to play guitar as well. So we became a five-piece, and then we toured the U.S. again, once again, uh, this time with me in, on guitar mm. and playing CBGBs once again all the way down to Miami. And, you know, it was just such a great time in, for me with skating and music because I, already, I already had a professional yeah, career. Yeah, you, you could do both without any problems, and it was... Was fine. Um, I had a little bit of problems uh, <laughs> with guess. the skateboard companies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, they were they were kind of wondering where my my focus was and, and what my drive was because the band was starting to to interfere with like maybe oh. um, going on tour um, skating, but I was on tour with the band. Um, so you know, it, there was sometimes a conflict of interest, but it was just another passion of mine, mm -hmm. and so you know, I just stuck with it and. We ended up breaking up the faction in 1985 and we reformed again in 1989 with a different guitarist, the skateboarder named Jeff Kendall from Indiana. Um, and um, he played guitar and we wrote, recorded some, uh, a few songs, broke up again. Oh. And then I started another band called Odd Man Out, which was a different type of music, you know, uh, more like um, The Mission, Love and Rockets. Mm. Um, the Cure, you know, that kind of mixture of sound. Um, and I was in that band in the late 80s, um, which then turned into um, early 90s, got into a different band called Shovelhead. And that was more kind of like the grungy era of music where, you know, a lot of bands like Pearl Jam and, and uh, Nirvana yeah. were around. And um, yeah, so... You know, I've been messing around with different types of uh, bands and music and genres uh, my whole life, you know, wow. uh, to the point where I went back to like the, the punk rock style. We added a female singer and started a band in 1995 called Soda, recorded uh, an album with them and then eventually broke that up. And within all that time with, you know, starting that band in 1982 with Faction, I would do Faction reunions, you mm -hmm. know, all through that whole time we would get back together and play a few shows and then break up. So wow. um, it wasn't until like, I want to say um, um, a couple years ago that I finally said, stop to the faction, no more faction songs. And I kind of want to start a new band. And that's how this mm -hmm. whole thing's formed. So nice. <laughs> I've been music, doing music my whole life. And you know, some listeners asked me to ask you if uh, you got into skateboarding first or punk rock, but you kind of answered that with, you started with skateboard, but you discovered uh, punk rock through it, through skateboarding. I did. 
Yeah, skateboarding came to me in 1976, and punk rock um, and music didn't really come into you know to my life until the early 80s. It's so rad because you saw like the all those eras of punk rock, like the 70s, the 80s. You played in the mid 90s where skate punk was exploding everywhere, and especially in California. So it's oh, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, that's when I discovered bands like, you know, um, uh, Pennywise, No Effects, mm -hmm. um, Good Riddance, um, Strung Out, Face to Face, Mill and Colin. I mean, you name it, all those 90s yeah. uh, uh, hardcore. And then I was on the band's Warp Tour at that time. Yeah, exactly. Too. That's great. You, yeah. you mixed both of your passion at the time a lot. No, it was a great, it was a great time from like 1995 to about, you know, 2005, I was on, you know, the band's warp Tour for, you know, all those years mm -hmm. and toured with some, some, some great bands and toured over to Europe, even up to Australia and even getting to, to be on this tour with uh, these bands who I looked up to, um, I got to become friends with them and mm -hmm. sometimes they would allow me to come up on stage yes. and play a song with them. <laughs> You know, so that was that was pretty, pretty awesome opportunity. Like I'd be skating the ramp and then the band <laughs> that I really liked, you know, was playing. I'm like, hey, hold on, you guys. I'm going to go to the stage real quick, play a song and then come back to the demo. <laughs> It's like living your best life at its top. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the Warp Tours, early Warp Tours were amazing, you know, mm -hmm. um, touring with, you know, No Use for a Name, you know, MXPX. Wow. Um, You know, all those bands. It was just, it was awesome. And I, 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 sorry, my English is not super good sometimes, but like both of this, I would say both of the scenes, like the punk scene and the skateboard scene. <laughs> so you saw a, an evolution. How did they mix together all these years compared to now, for example? How would you well, describe? Well, you know, what was kind of odd was skateboarding kind of went from like rock and roll to new wave to punk, to actually uh, kind of going into metal yeah. a little bit. And then from metal into rap. But mm -hmm. I kind of never, you know, and, and when it was getting kind of into the rap scene, it was, uh, bird, skate, bird skateboarding was no, no longer in, in existence. Mm -hmm. And it was mostly like street skating, you know? And a lot of street skaters really liked that early, you know, rap sound. And I just kind of never really got into it, you know. Um, all my music, uh, all my skate videos, always, always included punk rock in it, you know. And then all the other guys' uh, videos always had rap, mm -hmm. you know. So I kind of stuck to my punk roots through that time. Um, even though I, li I did like some um, some rap bands, um, but I never really like that wasn't the main focus of my music interest. So I always kind of stayed core to. Um, listening to punk rock. I mean, I even quit a band that I was in because I was, so the band Shovelhead that I was in, that was more kind of grungy. Mm -hmm. um, I played that type of music, but I would, on the, on the, on the side, I would just listen to all those punk bands, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so yeah. I kind of looked at, I was like, why am I playing this style of music? But this is the kind of music I listen to, you know, it was just, I don't yeah. know, so I actually ended up quitting, quitting that band in the early 90s. You wanted to stay authentic with like what you prefer. And did, did you have any fights, fights, quote unquote, with other skateboarders when you're <laughs> about music? Like, 
punk is the best style. No, hip hop is. Did you have like kind of those uh, like teenage? Uh, <laughs> I did actually. And you know what's funny is <laughs> I did have a. a I, I always remember this one fight I had, and it was actually with um, the singer for the faction. Oh, I remember when I. <laughs> yeah, I, and we would skate. You know, because we, I had a ramp in my backyard, so we would skate. And then after we skate, we'd go into my house where, where the band room was and practice with the mm-hmm. faction and then come out and skate. So, you know, we would do both. And I remember in, in uh, 1981 or 82, um, I got this cassette tape from my friend Tom Kroholsky from the East Coast. And he's like, hey, check out this tape. You know, it's a new band. I think you might like it. And so I put it in. I'm like, oh, my God, this is really good. Who is this? And he's like, it's a band called Metallica. Mm. right so i bring it home and i put it in the cassette because we we only had a ghetto box you know mm-hmm. cassette player to listen to music so i put the cassette in while we're sessioning and my, and then um gavin our our singer was like dude what is this metal i'm like no it's it's metal but it kind of sounds punk you know it was rad and so he would take it out and he would put the misfits in ah! right <laughs> Yeah, and then I would take the Misfits out <laughs> and put Metallica in, and I'm like, and I'm like, you know what? Since he doesn't like Metallica, I'm an, I'm not gonna like the Misfits, <laughs> like you know. Wow. But you know, it, it kind of backfired on me because the Misfits is so catchy. It's, it's like how could I not like the Misfits? You know, and it's so funny because the bass player from Metallica would always wear a Misfits T-shirt. And you do in you the know? movie? Is it you in the movie? The animal? Yeah. Chin? You were animal it. Chin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, I tried to hate the Misfits and I ended up liking them, you know, in spite of Gavin, our singer, and his brother not liking Metallica, you know. And probably still to this day, he probably still doesn't like Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Metallica, but I named my cat Metallicat, Metallica in French. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> she has a hem here. <laughs> yeah, I love some songs and... I saw a video of you uh, hanging out with James Edfield, uh, just showing you, you were showing each other like your, your collection and stuff and cars and like it's... Uh, yeah, I went to his, uh, their practice place and he showed oh, yeah. me his, uh, practice his cars. Practice space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was a really cool um, thing uh. that Vans shoes lined up because they did a collaboration with Metallica. Mm-hmm. In turn, I got to do a collaboration with Metallica with my my signature shoe, the half cab, mm-hmm. and so that was that was an amazing time, and I, I got to meet those guys um, and become friends with them. Wow. And I actually ended up got I brought my whole Metallica collection that I have records that I collected in the early '80s of all these bootlegs from Europe, mm-hmm. you know, in Japan, and I brought them, and I got to show Lars, their drummer, um, my whole uh, Metallica collection that. A bunch of metalheads would be jealous of the oh, records yeah. that I have. <laughs> oh, they're probably jealous of your um, vintage boards collection too. <laughs> that too. <laughs> nice. So I uh, sold off most yeah. of them, though. Oh, really? Mm. S- yeah, because um, I have other interests. Like I like uh, vintage motorcycles as well. Need so space. <laughs> to help, yeah, to help build motorcycles and help collect them, I ended up selling some of my. Co- Uh, skateboard collection that I saved over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So totally. now I have a Harley Davidson in my living room because of the decks that I had stored in the in the closet are now owned by a collector. And then I have a 1944 Harley Davidson in my living room. 
Wow. <laughs> I like to talk with people who have who have like many passions and hobbies and interests. It's always super interesting. <laughs> exactly. You you can always have something. Yeah. You we have an expression in French saying I don't put all my eggs in the same basket. Do you have this in English? This expression never so it's it's fun. It's fun to have many different passions. Mm. For sure. Yeah, because you never know. The, the saying is, yeah, don't put all your eggs in one basket because you never know what's going to happen with that, that basket. You know, you may need to put a, an egg over here or over here. So I like to spread myself out um, mm -hmm. as far as my interests because then what I've learned with that as well, you make new friends and new relationships through those oh, yeah. different interests, which in turn, it always kind of, for some reason, always comes back to skateboarding. Yeah. You know, everybody that I know in motocross, motorcycles, hot rods, music, art, snowboarding, surfing, uh, mountain biking, they all, skateboarding, punk rock, you know, they, they've all been touched by skateboarding in some way or another, you know, and so that's my connection with them. Mm. I tried to skateboard once and I fell on my shoulder and I, it wasn't broken, but there was a scratch on my bone. So I never, <laughs> never tried again. And I was like, oh, I wish I could. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's skateboarding is a very dangerous sport. And it's one of those things like you either are able to suffer through the pain of learning or not. And, you know, and that's what, that's what divides and also separates some people who become athletes and, and, um, you know, kind of daredevils and mm -hmm. stunt people, people who are taking risks to the people who don't want to take that risk or, yeah. you know, and so to each his own, I mean, everyone has a different temperament. Everyone has their own, uh, passions in life, mm -hmm. uh, their own reasons why they live, you know, for me, I love challenges and I'm willing to take risks to, to, to meet those challenges, you know, and that's why I'm, I'm, I re revolve myself around a lot of very dangerous activities mm -hmm. because with that comes excitement. Exactly. Well, the adrenaline, you know? the, the adrenaline. The adrenaline the yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so by participating in those things, it really teaches you how, to be become courageous and overcome a fear. Oh, yeah. And I know that fear drives a lot of people in this world, which keeps them from doing very amazing things that they never know, discovered what they're, they're capable of. And for me, I'm willing to take that risk um, to be able to enjoy these passions in my, in my life, you know? So it's very important to learn. Yeah. And I've learned a lot through skateboarding and I adapt that to everything in my life. Um, it's learning how to fail to succeed, you know, and I'm willing to suffer through the failures to be successful at anything that I do. Wow. So true.
I want to talk about your attend the band. Uh, I, I love the album you released last year, Chasing Horizons. So uh, you, you talk a little about how the band was formed, but talk to me about your bandmates. Or, uh, uh, well, the first bandmate that I met was a singer, singer, songwriter, guitar player. And he's the one that reached out to me because he knew that I was looking for um, a singer for a band. Mm -hmm. And so he sent me a demo tape. I listened to it. I really enjoyed it. Played it to the other band that I was in. And they just weren't having it. They were just like, yeah, you're not interested, you know? So I made that conscious decision to leave that band and yeah. focus on what, what Tim was doing. And basically when I met Tim, he was already in the process of releasing a single like a solo out, uh, record EP mm. with five oh, songs. Even solo. Had, yeah. He even had a music video and everything all lined up, ready to nice. go like pretty much a week or two prior to I met him. And I gave him the decision. I said, Hey, you know what? You could either put that stuff out right now because you're ready or we can join forces together and start a band and do this together. Wow. And he, and, and he, even he decided to, to put that project to the side and, and form this band. And so he found a drummer really quick and his name is Dylan Wade, who I had no clue or didn't know who he was. And he had played previously in a band called the bomb Pops. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was the very first drummer in that band. And, and, you know, I didn't even know who the bomb Pops were mm -hmm. because um, I just, they just never came into um, the scene yeah. that I was in. And, and at that time, totally. so I discovered him, them through him. And, um, so we, we practiced together and, and it, it, it worked out really well. And I was playing bass at the time. So it was just guitar singer, bass player, drummer. And then four months into the band, I just had this, 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 this wild idea of like, you know, I, I want to go back to guitar playing because my, my love, my passion is guitar playing. And you did it in the past. Yeah. And in the past, you, in the past, you decided to stop playing bass for guitar. So you're, you're, you kind of did yes. the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, bass has always been fun to play for me as well, but I just have this really special love for guitar, yeah. the sound and the, and, the, and the tones that you can make. Mm -hmm. um, so I asked Tim, I said, Hey Tim, what do you think about me playing second ryth rhythm guitar? For the band, he's all, oh, that's perfect because I have a friend named Chad um, who wants to play bass for us. And so when Chad joined the band, um, it all worked out really well. It sounded really full. It was a great sound. And then about a week later, Chad um, came to the table with a record deal through um, uh, Cybertrax Records because of his relationship with uh, Jen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and El Jefe from No Effects, yeah. yeah mm -hmm. So because he, he knew them, because uh, Chad was a, a singer for a band called Skipjack, who have have been playing in the San Diego scene for uh, many many years. And Tim, our, our singer, also played for a punk band called War Fever. Mm -hmm. So all the band guys that I I joined with all had previous bands, and Tim, our singer, actually left War Fever to do the solo project. Oh with us too so there was a lot of changes going on and i just think that you know everyone was were, was making a, con a conscious choice of decisions that that led us to have this band and have this record deal yeah and have all these shows and everything's just kind of snowballed really quickly and the one thing that i learned in this band is i had to get to know these guys in the process of learning the songs i had to get to know these guys personally i didn't know them at all 
you know, yeah. so we had to make relationships and I had to learn how to speak to them, you know, on, on a level where, um, you know, we all respected each other, you know, in a creative yeah. way and also in a friendship way as well. Wow. So true. You have to get to know them and know all the little <laughs> ego, ego fragilities of everyone. <laughs> so, you know, how to manage. And I don't say that in a, uh, in a negative way, but I mean, it's... <laughs> Well, person's personality can make or break a band. Totally. You know, yeah. So you definitely have to deal with, with uh, different personalities. And I felt like, you yeah. know, getting to get, know these guys and work with them, I felt like, man, this is a good group of guys. They're very positive. Mm -hmm. They're very hardworking. They're very creative. They're talented. And they don't have any hangups. So it, it was just a, a very good formula to form something really quick and and have a, a great um produce a great product um a great musical product in such a short time yeah and um yeah so it, it it worked out it's still working out i'm still getting to know these guys uh we're starting to tour now mm -hmm. um we're going over to europe um next month yeah. to to do savannah fest brack rock and play some shows in germany and switzerland And so we're excited, you know, this is going to be a new adventure for us and, and we're just going to see where it goes. You know, um, you know, obviously I have, I've had musical careers, uh, my whole life, but this is definitely the biggest one. And the one that's the most promising that I feel like I can take that to the next level, oh, you yeah. know? So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, you, you're going to play also punk in the park or you did already. Is it past? No, it's in, no, no, it's in. Yeah. Punk, Punk in the Park is coming up and, and I believe that is coming up after, yes. I believe after we come back from Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't check the exact date. Yeah, that's but... in November actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a great, great festival. <laughs> so, and um, I really like the album. It's your debut album. So it's like the first one. I like it because it, I find like the mid-90s vibe The skate punk mid 90s it's fast. a lot of songs are fast it's always super melodic i even remind a little of tony sly in the vocals sometimes not ne not necessarily the voice itself but the the sense of the melody yeah yeah we've heard a lot of like um propagandi mm -hmm. um uh, uh green day Yes. a little bit um alkaline trio exactly I, I, it's like for me i hear a lot of tony sly and matt skiba <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and you know no use for a name yeah so yeah and those are our bands that we we all like and we we are all influenced and, and enjoy so and, and maybe and and i think that's why i kind of was attracted to tim and his his lyrical his his voice and the way he wrote and the songs he wrote because that's the kind of that whole warp tour area the early 90s is i fell in love with all those bands mm -hmm. like i had this surge in the 80s of all these hardcore punk rock bands to the point where in the 90s when it got really melodic you know i really really fell in love with that because um i felt like that was just uh, another transition of Uh, making punk rock more enjoyable exactly, and more something that you could sing along with and hum and, and um, harmonize with, you know? And I feel like it's, it's very pleasing 
mm-hmm. you know, and it, even though it's got a, a core sound to it, it's, it's enjoyable, you know, sound, you know, yeah. and you can hear what the, the singer is singing, you know, um, so in early bands like the Descendants, uh, Bad Religion, um, Social Distortion, you know, mm-hmm. those bands were, were very melodic as well to me as, you know, so those were a different style uh, versus like a band like Seven Seconds yeah. or, you know, um, Minor Threat. Uh, but, you know, even like the Misfits were, were, were melodic in a way of, of uh, yeah. their backing vocals, you know, uh, the, something you could sing along with, you oh. know. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, even like uh, Youth Brigade, you know, a band like Youth Brigade, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, so. Yeah, so that, you know, um, and that's what attracted me to the band, so, um, and that style of music. So, and then we, you know, we, we signed with a, a label called Cybertracks mm-hmm. for, for Urethane and Chasing Horizons, and w- in turn, we got to uh, work with a, a great, um, you know, producer named Cameron Webb, which in turn have done a lot of great albums. You know, I, I wasn't, I've never worked with a producer before, so I didn't really understand that, that, mm. you know, that way of making a record. I always went into the studio with the band. We produ- we produced ourselves with their engineer. Yeah. It was more DIY. Yeah. Yeah. I never like had the money to like pay for an actual producer. That's going to help you write this record and, and, and tell you like, Hey, you need to play that over. <laughs> I'm like, why yeah. don't like Cameron? <laughs> Why do I need to play that over? He's like, I heard you bend the note. I'm like, are you serious? You heard me bend the note. Yeah, it went out of tune real just slightly. I'm like, okay, if you hear that, I don't hear it. I'll play it again, you know? And he'd be like, okay, play that part over. I go, why? He's like, you can play way better. I know you can do it with more energy. You know, I'm like, okay, dude. And so uh-huh. it's like, he did that to all of us. Yeah. I felt bad for our singer, Tim, because like, sing, oh. it, sing it again. Sing it again. I know it sing hurts. It again. No, do it this way. <laughs> it hurts for yeah it happens i, I love to sing mm-hmm. yeah but i've never been into the studio for three weeks before i never worked spent that much time on an album the longest i ever spent on a full album was three days wow you know get in there record everything you know uh do the uh, the overlays the uh the, um you know the punch-ins and yeah and uh And then mix the next, the last day. And that's it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so new, ex- I think it's, it's unbelievable for you as, as for this experience, because it's, it's like, if you start a total new field, like, but you've been a musician for a long time, but it's like, if you're exper- you still have the chance to experiment things for the first time as a musician even if you have a huge skateboard career you know what I mean <laughs> well for sure because so I started my music career in 1982 mm-hmm. and I've been playing music my whole life so I have that experience yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not like I just got in a band but you still have first times like first time working with a producer uh, you said it's the first time you have a bigger band or something or if I can say that like or, or you you know so So I think it's fun. Yeah, exactly. Never dealt with uh, a publicist. Never got to be able to fill out a writer and, 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 and have stuff backstage. Yeah. 
So it's fun that you can still have those, uh, like like we said, a little adrenaline and new new experience. I think it's it's rad. <laughs> it's been an amazing journey for all of us, and and like I said, all the guys in the bands, all they've all had experience too as mm -hmm. well. And so a lot of the stuff is new to them, even though they've been playing music, you know, for a long time. Yeah. Um, I think they're enjoying it just as much as I am, and um, you know, so we'll. We'll see how far it goes. Um, we're working on a new record as well. Yeah. As we oh, wow. Because uh, nice. we have another company that's already interested in um, putting out a record for us. So oh. we're excited about that. Yeah, I'm excited too, for sure. Um, you have on, on, the, on the previous album, the, the first album, you have a nice guest, Jim Lindbergh, Toby Morse. It's great. Great collabs. Mm. Yeah, those were just ideas I brought to the table. You know, I said, hey, let's let's try to do something interesting for the album. Let's invite some friends yeah. to participate in the band. So so then we could actually use that as a promotional tool to help get the band to the next level. You know, so Toby was an easy one from H2O because yeah. I had been a guest on his one of his last albums. I played guitar oh. and recorded uh, a rhythm track and, re and, and recorded the lead in uh, his song called Skate. Um, <laughs> and I nice. also did a, a music video for him as well. And you, you were on his podcast. You were his guest for his podcast. I didn't, didn't have time to listen, but I saw that you... Yeah, I love his podcast. <laughs> yeah. There's no way that he could say no, you know? <laughs> so I asked Toby, I said, hey, Toby, would you mind singing on one of our songs? And then so that was one. And then the other one was like um, our, our producer, Cameron Webb, is really good friends with Jim mm -hmm. from Pennywise because they've recorded a lot of albums there. Um, I've known Jim for many years from just being on the war tour and actually playing bass or playing guitar um, mm -hmm. with them on stage. And then I've been recently uh, doing some art shows with him with punk rock and paintbrushes. And so I've been in connection with, with Jim uh, for a while. And then I just reached out to him one time and, and we said, Hey Jim, what do you think about singing on one of our songs? You know? So we let him hear some yeah. of the stuff and then he picked, he picked the one that he wanted to sing on. Oh, that's and great. so he, yeah. So He never came into the studio. He did it at his own studio. And then he sent the vocal tracks to, to Cameron at Cameron's studio, at Maple Studios. And then Cameron kind of mixed it and engineered it into the song. Um, but he, he nailed it. He did a great job. And yeah. we actually ended up filming a, a, a music video at one of our shows with Pennywise uh, for that song, Inheritance, as well. So it was rad, too, because like, it's like we were playing with Pennywise The album's already out, and we're like, hey, Jim, do you mind coming on stage and, and singing that song with us, you know? And he's like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Sure. So they're like, oh, we got, we got to film this. We yeah. got to film this whole, this whole show. So we got um, a film producer to come and, and, and film the whole show, and he made a, a music video out of the whole thing as well. That's yeah, rad. So. Yeah, great collabs. It's fun. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... Oh, are you going to make some uh, Euroton skateboards, like the boards? Yeah, you know what? Actually, that's we've been thinking about that because we've been playing a lot of shows where we have a merch table and mm -hmm. then we have some bands next to us. 
that they have skateboards with their with their name on them. I'm like, oh man, you know, we should have a urethane one. <laughs> yeah, as well. I think you you need to. Yeah, so that we're in the process of doing that. Um, it's been taking a while because of uh, the whole COVID thing and, and how slow production is. Oh, so yeah. we've been working on that, but we also been working on actual a skateboard wheel as well. Oh. Yeah, so I ride for a, 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 a skateboard company called Bones Wheels, and I've been riding for them since I started skating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I asked them if they would be able to make a, a, a wheel with the band, they, and they said, yeah, so we're working on that right now as well. And so the, the, the name of the band is called Urethane, mm-hmm. and it's based off a skateboard wheel. You know, because skateboard wheels are made out of urethane. Yeah. You know, before urethane Mm -hmm. was produced in 1973, the only type of material used for skateboarding was either rubber, plastic, clay, or steel wheels. So in the 60s, early 60s, the earliest skateboard had steel wheels like roller skate. Remember the old roller skate wheels with the steel wheels? Then they went to clay. And then from clay, they went to plastic or rubber rubber wheels, but oh. they never had urethane until the 70s. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. So that's when skateboarding kind of took another turn in a different direction of how you could maneuver a skateboard because of the way it gripped on the cement. It wasn't as dangerous because with clay mm. and steel, it's so slippery. You know, there's no gription there. But with the, the urethane and how it grips to concrete, it changed the whole way skateboarder skateboarders rode a skateboard and what was cap- what we were capable ah, of doing. Nice. So, you know, I've been riding urethane wheels for my whole career, you know, and I just thought, you know, when we we're thinking of a name of a band, I'm like, man, so difficult to come up with a name because oh, yeah. every band name <laughs> has been used. I know. <laughs> you know, so it's like, are we going to have to make up a word or, you know, um, how are we going to find a name for this band? And I remember years ago, I was doing this solo project. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. About 10 years ago. And I wrote this thing in my notebook, said urethane. Uh... And I'm like, and this was 10 years ago. And I'm like, I found that notebook and I'm like, I wonder if anyone has ever used the name urethane. So you right? checked. So I typed it up, <laughs> you know, and I looked up all the band names and like, dude, no one has used this name. Um, let's, let's use it. Let's use urethane because it relates to skateboarding. It's and perfect. we all skate in the band. So it worked out perfectly. <laughs> it's like the universe sent that name to you. <laughs> like you had no choice to take this it, one. It, it, it just worked out. It worked out. So it's a fun name. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're stoked that, that we're able to use that. And Once again, two of your passion melting together. <laughs> I love that. Okay, are you ready for some of the listeners' questions? So we're gonna. There's a lot of different topics. Read most are related to skateboard, but um, okay. What's the secret to stay healthy uh, in all those skateboard years? How are your knees? Did you recover from all injuries? So let's talk about health and the okay. yeah um, bone health. Well, my, my knees are great. Hmm. Um, I don't have no problems with my knees and I'm 57 years old and I've been skating since I was 12. Wow. And, and I think the reason for that is because I've always wore, wore pads. Hmm. So I didn't have a lot of knee injuries, um, because of the knee pads, you know, and the elbow pads and the helmet. 
uh, when I went into street skating, you don't really wear pads, but then uh, when you're bailing on street skating, you kind of do a tuck and roll, you know, um, you don't really fall on your knees. Um, yeah. Uh, but a lot of rolled ankles in street skating, you know, because mm-hmm. when your board leaves your feet and you try to uh, put your feet back on your board, that's a chance of slipping off the side mm-hmm. and rolling your ankle or stepping wrong. Um, so I suffered a lot of rolled ankles um, in the uh, mid nineties, you know, um, knees are great. Um, because like I said, wearing the pads yeah. my whole life, a lot of prevention and move you can do mm-hmm. a lot of protection. My, my wrists have been, you know, well taken care of. Uh, when I first started skating, I wore mm-hmm. wrist guards when I was a kid um, into my pro career. I still had wrist guards on. Um, so I saved my wrist many times. Um But I, wa- I want to say what's helped me in my longevity of mm-hmm. my career is basically taking very calculated risks and not always going for it. Yeah. There's a time and a place to like, I'm going to go for it and I'm not going to go for it. So I, if people have watched me skate, they watch how I, I pick, pick apart a trick and how I learn it. I, I do it in baby steps where I, I, I don't take a lot of chances and I don't actually try to make it until I know I can make it for sure and make it smooth. Oh. So that's why that kind of uh, revolves around how I look skateboarding. So when people watch me and they say, oh man, you look so smooth skateboarding. Well, you didn't see all the tries and the bails I did before I landed it, you know? So I won't land something until I know it's going to feel, feel nice and look, look nice and feel perfect without being sketched out. And so that's, that, that has, I have adapted that as my style of skating. So when it looks more fluid because I had a lot of patience and took a lot of time to perfect the trick before I actually ended up trying to make the trick. It's a lot of planning and analyzing that I didn't know you at this, po- at this point. Yeah, that much. So mental. How yeah. mental skateboarding is and how fear can get in the way of your progression of the sport, you know? Um, mm. So sometimes you have to kind of push fear to the side and take that chance of like, you know what, I'm going for it. And then you, you have the opportunity of falling super hard and getting hurt or making it clean, you know? Um, yeah. So that's, that's the choice that you have to make. And I want to say another thing that's kept me really healthy as far as, is just doing skateboarding, exercising every day and doing it. Um, and, you know, and kind of staying away from things that hinder you from skating. Like, you know, I tried drinking once and skating that didn't work out. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I tried smoking pot one time and, and getting stoned and skating and that didn't work out. Uh-huh. You know, I was paranoid. of like, so <laughs> I never yeah. mix, I never mix drugs and alcohol with, the performance of skateboarding. That's a really you know? good move. Yeah. yeah. Good. There's always a time to party and have a good time, you know, after, you know, but I never let those things uh, take control of me. And I was never um, addicted to mm-hmm. any of these substances. You know, I could have just mm-hmm. like a lot of skateboarders yeah. have in the past. A lot of know, musicians. They, really famous, too. they made mm-hmm. a lot of money. They, 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 they were curious about a certain drug or, 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 or alcohol brev- beverage and it, it consumed, consumed them, you yeah. know, which then 
that became their focus and the, and the skateboarding didn't anymore. Exactly. Sometimes you know? it's because so, of pressure. I know it happens to a lot of musicians too. Yeah. Yes. Many reasons. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think, I feel like drugs and alcohol kind of take you away from that insecure fear mm -hmm. that we all face every day when we wake up and we have to look at somebody and then deal with them judging you. <laughs> you know, everyone judges everybody. Everyone criticizes everybody. But then, you know, what can I do to to deal with this judgment and this criticism? I'm going to get stoned or I'm going to drink. <laughs> You know? Yeah. And then I don't care what they throw at me because I'm in another world. <laughs> right now. Yeah. And even if you drink or, or use drugs, uh, it's still there. So it's, you're just postponing the feeling of, I don't know, feeling judged or something. So it's, it's just postponing. Yeah. It's postponing wanna, the real feeling. Anxiety and it's the insecurity of what people think of yeah. you. You know? And once you can get past that without a substance, Since you're that much further advanced than the next person, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's just a personality trait that, that we grow up depending on how we're brought up mm -hmm. in a family, how our parents treat us, how our friends treat us, how our relatives treat us, how they support you, how they look at you, how they lift you up, you know, how they tell you how amazing so you are, how special you are. Yeah. You know? It it, it, it it takes a, a, a certain environment to mold a person so they don't have to resort to drugs and alcohol to deal with their anxiety, you know, or yeah. the pressures of life. And life's mm -hmm. all about pressure and, and suffering. And, you know, we have to go through that because that's what teaches us how to um, enjoy and appreciate what we have when we know we have to work super hard for something and, yeah. and we have to um, take chances and we also have to um, prioritize what we're, what we're into, you know, what we're doing. And, you know, it just makes you appreciate the great things in life. So, you know, um, I, I feel like a lot of people avoid that you know, and they never really get to f live a fulfilled life of what they're, what they are capable of as mm -hmm. a human being, you know, and to me that, you know, I feel, I feel, I feel bummed out about that, 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 that people don't get to live their life to the fullest, you know? Yeah. And so and they don't get to enjoy it. Some people seem to have everything like the best career, the best success, and they still feel a void inside so yeah and mm. i have my thoughts and views and you know reasons for that <laughs> if you yeah. want to hear i don't know if you want to hear it but yeah, um, sure. um that is because they're trying to fill their life with anything possible to help fulfill them and make them feel loved mm -hmm. you know and yeah. appreciated for who they are. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, um, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. So I was brought, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. And until I became a Christian, I realized that um, I had everything except I didn't have like a godly fig figure in my like life. The, the spiritual. This, mm -hmm. 
What's that? I said the spiritual uh, sphere. I didn't have a like, yeah. yeah. I didn't have a spiritual um, way of life or anything, any spiritual guidance. Yeah. So I learned that God is always tugging in our hearts to be a part of our life to fulfill it because mm-hmm. we in this people in this world will push God away because they want to fill their life with everything else. They want to fill their life with money, fame, um, notoriety, um, a relationship, a job, status, career. And at the end of the day, mm. most people who commit suicide, who have all that, don't have a godly life and don't have any spirituality and don't have that void that's empty and what uh, my sister-in-law once told me, like, you know, you're not a hundred percent person that there's something missing in your life that's going to fulfill you and make you happy. And I go, what's that? She goes, you don't have God in your life. And I'm mm. like, oh, really? I don't have God in my life. Okay, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put God in my life and see what happens, you know? And that was in 2005, you know, she's oh. like, you need Jesus in your life. Oh, and I recent. said, okay, well, then I'll, I'll follow that and see what happens. And you know, I haven't looked back, you know, because having that spirituality has taught me a lot about who I am, what's important, and all the things that I've, I have, now that I have this, this relationship with God, these things that I've accomplished and all these things and these, like, it's really doesn't really matter, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end, when we die, we're not taking any of this with us. And it's funny because I read this thing where it's like, this guy was saying like, to his classroom, it's like, how many of you guys remember who your great, great grandfather is? And they're like, who? They're like, your great, great grandfather. I had this thought. I had this thought recently, like, because I don't have kids. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And like, 10 years after I'm dead, like nobody will remember me. But I don't, for me, it's not a, pro- I don't care. I don't have any bad emotions about that. But yeah. yeah. But people want to do things to be remembered. Mm-hmm. They want to accomplish amazing things to be, to, 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 because it's, a, it's this thing about this living a life that's immortal. Like people don't want to die. True. They're afraid of dying. Yeah. You yeah. know, so they want to try to live as long as they can. And they and and if they're not going to live this long, they want to do something that 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 keeps lasting till they're gone. And it's like, you know, my kids are going to have kids, mm-hmm. and then their kids are going to have kids, and then really, they're they're not even going to remember who I am, mm-hmm. you know, unless they go to a store and maybe there's a Vans shoe, and they're like, oh, that was my great 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 great. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, or they're gonna yeah. old like they go to a, they're gonna watch old 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 movies, <laughs> the Animal Chin. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an antique yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, and they'll like you know they'll walk into a skateboard shop and be like, "Wait, I think that was my great 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 <laughs> grandfather's professional board." You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like- so yeah, I understand that um, spiritual spirituality, faith can help uh, filling this void we can have at some point, or or any kind of. For me, my spirit, because I don't believe, uh, I'm not, I'm not like into religion, but like, I love to learn about the universe and like all that's beyond us in the universe. And I feel like it's feeling this need, like, you know, I don't know. It's hard to explain in English for me. (laughs) We all have it. We all have it. That's why there's scientists 
you know, and that's why there's NASA and there's, yeah. that's why there's always people trying to discover what, what is, what else is there besides the earth? There has to be something else. Exactly. So I, I relate to this part of the, the, the topic. No, and it's, it's great. because I think, I feel like God created us in that way to be curious and to ask questions and to know where we came from, to know what our, our origins, origins mm -hmm. are, to know why we're here and to know what's going to happen after it's, it's very important, you know, and, and it, and once you understand that your life changes the way you live now, mm -hmm. you know, because people don't live with a care at all. I know I didn't, you know, before I became a Christian, I didn't care where I came from yeah. or where I was going, you know? Um, but now I do. And then now I look at life differently. So like a lot of views and diff uh, opinions that I had before I became a Christian have changed because mm -hmm. God's changed my heart, which in turn has changed my way of thinking and how I appreciate life, how I appreciate other people and how I treat them, you know, because we will grow up a certain way of how our parents brought us up and what we see on TV and, and we'll determine how we should live and how we should treat mm -hmm. people based on what is being taught to us, you know? So people get taught really negative things, but it's normal to them, mm -hmm. you know? And then later they find out, why did I even like act like that when that's not really right? You know, something is telling me that that's not right. You know? So um, it takes, a, it takes a while to get rid of these, these, uh, these personality traits that we grow up with. Mm. It's like unlearning what we've learned. You know, and it takes, sometimes it takes a spiritual awakening to be like, hey, you know, you're, you're not living correctly because I feel like human beings are very short-sighted, mm -hmm. you know, we're not able to see the future because it's impossible, you know, because we just look at the day, we look at right now. Unless so we can find, drinking, uh, unless we can find a way to time travel, there are some theories about that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever we're consuming, whatever we're watching, whatever we're doing, we can't see the effects of that because we're not time travelers. We're yeah. not like, True. Um, prop, you know, we can't prophesize like, or see the future. Um, so these things that we're doing to our bodies, mm -hmm. they take time before they, they damage them in, in, a, in a way where, where you see like the effects of uh, these little things that we do. And then later on, 10, 20 years later, I'm like, oh my goodness, now look where I'm at because of all these, all these things I did. What I love about scripture and what I love about the Bible is there's lots of stories of the way people lived and this, this is the way they ended up, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I look at that and I read those things, I apply those things to my own life. And I say like, well, there's the prophecy. There's the future. The, all the things that we're dealing with right now, people have dealt with them in the past. It's called history. And when people don't learn from history and learn from the past, mm -hmm. it affects the future. So what I love about scripture and I love about the, uh, the way that God is teaching us how to love people It, 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 it's helped me live my life now so later on I'm not affected in a negative way. I, I feel like it helped you having a balance in your life between like all your, I would say, crazy projects, like crazy life, like a lot of 
yeah. fame even. And then you, it's, I don't know. I feel like it brought you a nice balance. Well, like I said, like I didn't grow up in a religious mm -hmm. or godly home. So I lived in the world yeah. that way my whole life. And then I didn't become a Christian till like yeah. 40. It's not you know, so, so I have experience of living outside of God's protection mm -hmm. versus not even dealing with that and, and learning and understanding that, that way of life versus someone who is brought up in the church and have, have, have never experienced the world outside of it. They're curious. You know, they're like, hey, I, you know, I'm a pastor's son or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was brought up in this, in this religious home or godly home. And I want to go play with these guys. Like, I want to I do what they're doing. You know, so there are people who have been brought up in this home and then they leave. Mm -hmm. And let's go play around and see what happens over here. But nine out of ten times, these people will resort back to here. Because they know that this is a safe, a safe zone. You know, and so I was out of the safe zone for many years. So, you know, now I have this uh, perception mm -hmm. and of way of life, which I, I know that this where this life life can lead. I, I want to stay with this life because this is more uh, beneficial for me, mm. you know, and it'd be more beneficial for the people around me as well. So that's why it's 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 easy for me to stay here because I've already experienced my life outside of God. Oh. If that makes more sense. Yeah. But then, you know, I can still be a skateboarder. I can still sure. listen to punk rock. Yeah. You know, I can, can play still shows, mm -hmm. cars, ride motorcycles. I mean, I still live in my life, but I just have a, a, a different perspective mm -hmm. of how to love people and, and how to treat people. Uh, you know? Yeah. Now, do I always listen to the way I'm supposed to be? No, because I'm human and um, there's always a tug saying like, you know, live this way, but don't live this way. Yeah. You know, it's very, it's very enticing to, it's like a, so I have kids. And so this is a perfect example. I love my kids. Mm -hmm. I want the best for my kids. I give them the best advice I can because of my experience. Now, do they want to listen to me? Ah, it's another <laughs> story. <laughs> but you do your job. Sometimes. You do what sometimes you, they do, yeah. sometimes they don't. But I don't blame them because they have, they're their own person. They're their own free will. Mm -hmm. That means they, they, they are able to make choices no matter mm -hmm. how I brought them up and how I give them rules and regulations and, and, and ways of life. And this is the way you should live. This, they have a choice whether they want to follow that or not, yeah. you know? And so that's how I, 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 That's how I relate my relationship with God. God's just trying to protect me, protect the creation by saying, hey, I want you to live this way because I'm trying to protect you from your own destruction. Mm -hmm. Because we're our own worst enemies, you know? We, some, we think we know a lot more than we do, you know? And we're not very smart sometimes, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So, um, so, the, and so that's how I can relate my relationship to God to for my relationship with my kids is like, I want the best for life for my kids, but they're their own person and they're going to choose whatever they want. Yeah. So nice. they're going to remember my words and be like, when they get to a place where like, man, I should have listened to dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's the whole thing with scripture and with, with Jesus coming, 
it's like he just wants to show you the way to protect yourself hmm. in the most loving, humble, and uh, way, you know? And uh, there's yeah, a lot of things that, that can steer us off to the wrong direction, you know? So, mm-hmm. oh, nice. So, it's, that's it's my, a good uh, part of your life. <laughs> that's my spiritual rant. <laughs> it's fine. But, uh, uh, I think it's yeah. interesting as some, because I don't believe, but I'm always curious and it's a you bring it in a in a very in- interesting way but i have other questions well, for yeah sure sorry yeah <laughs> well i want to do I, i when i bring spirituality into like podcasts mm-hmm. and interviews i want to do it into a way that's inviting you know and 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 understanding versus yeah, like totally you should be like this no yeah no you no. know because yeah. i don't want to be i don't want to be that christian no that, yeah that that, mm-hmm. that pushed people away you know because there was a bunch of christians that pushed me away you know by their approach you oh know? yeah so i, I want to do bet. it in a, in a more <laughs> i like to do it in a more loving logical way to make to make you think you know of like oh i never thought of it that way mm-hmm. you know i just want to come off as a normal person yeah who loves jesus <laughs> yeah Good. I have a, a other questions. Uh, I love this one I, because there's a lot of questions you probably like answered 10,000 times and people can find the information. But I, I love the question about skateboard related to all you feel. And I have a, an interesting one. Like, what was your reaction when you first saw the skate ramp for the movie Animal Chin compared to when you saw it again? Like, I think you celebrated 30 years. So, yeah. The, What were the difference? What was the difference between the, the two feelings when you saw the, that? I think it's funny. Um, well, shoot. When I first saw it the first time, that was in 1986. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was in my early 20s. Um, but it was, it, was the, it was something that we had dreamt of that we, we created on paper. And then uh, when it was time to film, I wasn't there for the building of it because I lived in Northern California. They built it here. Mm-hmm actually close to where I live now in Southern California. So when I got to see it for the first time, it was already built, you uh, know, Mike McGill and Lance mountain were part of the building crew. <laughs> so they got to see the thing. Oh, develop. and like I think me and every me and Tony and Tommy showed up after it was already done. And we just thought it was the most amazing thing. We couldn't wait to get on there and start skating and get used to it. And we basically were learning the ramp. And learning what we could do on it while we were filming for those three days, you wow. know. Um, so it was a great experience. And uh, Stacy just kept the camera rolling when we kept, tra- hey, let's, I want to try this. Or I want to work on this section. I want to work on this section. And then he would just film all of us. Mm. Um, and then like 30 years later, um, we had this idea of, well, actually Grant Britton, um, the photographer that shot the original quadruple hand plants on the ramp on the spine ramp um had this idea hey we should uh we should re- recreate that that photo that would be sick to do it yes. we're still skateboarding it's amazing yeah. but um we need we needed we need a place to do it like so how are we going to rebuild the the chin ramp again so um i think tony had reached out to woodward and asked and, and see if we could build the ramp there <laughs> and so we could uh recreate that you know amazing photograph and um i don't know if you can see in the background there's the yeah, a diorama uh, of the ramp i see this uh, my, 
my yes. friend made, and then the photos, ah. the two photos. The yes, one on I top is original. Is the, the original? On the yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing! <laughs> so emotional. Yeah. So that's funny you talk about. They're right there. <laughs> I couldn't see the upper one, but but the the sun was reflecting on the second. But now I see. Oh, yeah. I, I see the colors. Uh, the shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's the ramp. Ah! Wow. So that's a diorama, a little model of the, of the chin ramp. Yeah. And then here are the two photographs. The one on top is original, and then the one at the bottom. Ah, oh, that's rad. That. Such a great memory. Yeah. Wow. And uh, a lot of people ask if you have a close relationship with those the other guys. Are you like friends? Do you hang out or are you just like professionally related? Um, I've always had, you know, a pretty close relationship with, with Lance Mountain. Mm -hmm. You know, um, even though we lived um, seven hours away from each other, we always hung out together um, in the er early 80s. Um, but now that I moved down here um, in Carlsbad in Southern California, I'm really close to Mike McGill and mm -hmm. very, very close to Tony Hawk. And I see those guys all the time and uh, skate with them and uh, families hang out. Nice. Um, yeah. So, you know, I always go to a lot of parties at, at Tony's house. Uh, either it's a Christmas party, Halloween, 4th wow. of July. Um, and, and I hung out, hung out with uh, McGill all the time because we both ride moto. Mm -hmm. and we skate together and um he's got a lake house that we go and visit and um yeah so i'm a lot closer to mcgill and and hawk now mm -hmm. um actually where i live and actually hang out much more than than in the 80s um we didn't really hang out too much in the 80s it looked like it because of the magazines and the yeah. contests mm -hmm. and the videos but we were all from different parts of the of uh, the country You know, oh, okay. mm. I was Northern California. Uh, McGill was Florida. Uh, Lance was LA and um, Tony is San Diego. Mm. You know, Good. Two last questions. Uh, I love this yeah. one. Um, what do you think of the, the effect of like, how do you say marketing and commercialization <laughs> of the skateboards? Yeah. Because do, do you feel at some point the street spirit of the, of the skateboard was lost somewhere or you can still find it even if it's started to, I don't know how to express this in English, but like, you know what I mean? Like, like sponsorship and like, did, do you still feel the street spirit of skateboarding? I do. Um, what I love about skateboarding is, is it's what you make of it. You know, everyone could pick up a skateboard for different reasons. Either they are, taking it to go to the store or down the street, go visit a friend. So transportation, uh, they use it for um, maybe street skating, uh, you know, just kind of like the environment that you're in, try to uh, ride whatever, mm -hmm. you, you know, as, a, as an artist, whatever, you know, challenge yourself to the environment that you're in to going to a skate park where there's actually stuff made for skateboarding, uh, There's skaters that, that like to create tricks and then take photographs and video of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's skaters that, that take these tricks and they perfect them so they can do them in a competition 
<clears throat> so there's competitive skaters, there's artistic skaters, there's people that just ride it for transportation. Yeah. Um, it, it's what you make of it, you know? So not every skateboarder is the same. We're all uniquely different in the way we view skateboarding. And you shouldn't, like I said, put your eggs all in one basket, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and just try to put yourself in a box and say, this is the type of skateboarder that I am because there's so many facets and opportunities that you can use a skateboard for. Mm-hmm. Some people just choose to focus on one area of skateboarding. Um, for me, I focus on all of it. You know, I think there's great enjoyment uh, any way that I could express myself on a skateboard, wow. whether it's just riding down the street, uh, filming a video part, shooting photos or being competitive. And I love the competitive part because it helps you um, progress to the another level to be like, Oh, I want to, I want to do learn this trick, but I want to yeah. push it to the next level so I can stand out so I can place higher in the contest, you know, maybe get a photo in the magazine, uh, get a prize, you know? So mm-hmm. I was brought up in competition. So as competition, that's something I strive for and it helps me grow as a skateboarder. Um, and in turn, there's been companies outside companies being attracted to skateboarding when it's very popular, where they want to dump money into it to help promote them and help, help promote the sport. And then they leave. Mm-hmm. That's fine with me. If people want to put money into our sport, I, I don't care if you know, you're a drink sponsor or your clothing company or, or yeah. whatnot. You know, um, as long as you're supporting skateboarding and, I, you know, that's fine with me and you're helping uh, people make careers and lives, professions out of it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I think you know, we, uh, um, we have the same so question. I, I was never. Mm-hmm. What's that? Oh, I, w- I was about to say that it's the same question we have with bands going on major labels and like the huge music industry. I think it's similar. Like. Yeah, it is similar. Mm. It is similar because I was never against the X Games. I was never mm-hmm. against Do Tour. I was never against uh, the Olympics because that's just it. Just gives skateboarding a platform to grow and for people to to it's for it to be exposed to people who have never seen it before in different countries, yeah. you know, and get people and get people really interested and excited about it. So, and that, that in turn goes in the same thing with, with music and punk rock. And like, if you have a band that's really small and they get signed by a major label and then they become radio stars Mm -hmm. and they become super popular, that is not a reason to not like the band. Exactly. (laughs) I agree with that. Because a lot of people like to use the word sellout because they think like being successful and making a lot of money. Oh, the band I once liked when they were really small. They sold out to this bigger company. It's not that they sold out. Mm-mm. It's the fact that they're being being successful now. Um, in turn, I think the people who supported the band are the people who are selling out on the band because it's like now you're not supporting them because you 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 supported them in a selfish way. You found this band that nobody knew who they were, and you grabbed them, and, and this is my band. And then now my neighbor likes this band. I don't want to share this band with you. And then that neighbor want, likes this band. I'm not sharing this band with you either. Yeah. And then now everybody likes this band. Well, now if everybody likes this band, I don't like this band anymore. Reminds me you the Lagwagon song. It reminds me the Lagwagon song, Know It All. It's 
talks exactly exactly about that. <laughs> so yeah, and it yeah, doesn't and make the band. It doesn't make the little garage band non-legitimate. Exactly. It's yeah. You know, so the people, the people calling the bands their sellouts for becoming fam fam famous and, and and successful. You know, it's the fan that's been the sellout. You know, and but. In that term, in the word sellout, the proper de uh, definition for the word sellout is actually doing something that you do not support mm -hmm. or not into for money. Or you're not authentic that, with that, it. Yeah. Yeah. So like there, there, there can be opportunities or, 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 or situations where mm -hmm. maybe there's a band or there's maybe a skateboarder or somebody that says, you know, I'm so against this, but how much are you going to pay me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I like this now. That's a sellout. Totally. You know what I'm That's, saying? Yeah, That's exactly. That's the true meaning of a sellout. It's like, oh, you're only doing this because there's money involved, but you, but back then you were like against that. You know, but now that you're going to get rich and famous off of it, you you want to be a part of that. You know, mm -hmm. the nuance so. is important. And last question, okay, have you, <laughs> I love this one. Have you ever had some very funny or weird collaboration offers, or like movies appearance, or like jackass stuff that you didn't do it because it was too weird? <laughs> um, too weird. Um, or like yeah, too dangerous. Well, as an artist, well, as an artist um, I had a, a a liquor company. I think a Jack, like a Jack Daniels liquor company, approached me and, and wanted me to design uh, a bottle for them. And I don't really drink. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink that a hard alcohol like that. So I just kind of felt weird about even trying to take that job offer. Yeah, and I turned it down. Uh, because I, I don't not, drink the stuff and, and you're not and a I sellout. I want to support. <laughs> exactly. So I turned down the money. I turned down the opportunity to, to draw a graphic for a, a, mm -hmm. a Jack Daniels, you know, type yeah, yeah, yeah. Of hard liquor, you know? So in that sense, yeah, I didn't sell out you know, for the money. <laughs> I ra I'd rather pass the money, yeah. you know, away for that. And for skateboard, did you, do you remember having like, offers like that or like project uh, suggestions? Um, you know what? I have not, but I have thought about that. I, I don't drink energy drinks. Mm -hmm. So if any one of those drink companies like Monster, Rockstar, mm -hmm. um, Red Bull ever mm -hmm. approached me and said, hey, we want to pay you a million dollars to write for a company, I would say no. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah. turn it down. Good. Thank you so much, Steve. That was a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. So uh, let me know about your routine. Uh, I wish you could play in Quebec City eventually, in Quebec, in Canada. So it could be great to see you play yeah, live. We're, we're working on that. We're working on trying to get Yay. over the border and, and, and play Canada. So Yay. that's probably our next step. You know, we're, we're on there. our way. I'll be there for sure. And I really love the, the album. I can't wait to hear the new one you're working on these days. So, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for being my guest. Appreciate it. Have a great day. You're very All busy. Right. So thanks for taking the time. Have a great day in California. Yeah, no problem. Bye. Yeah, ciao.
but I promise you it's gonna be a fun one <laughs> thank you to Epic Merch Store for sponsoring the show since episode 1 thank you to Scott Alquist for editing and co-producing the show since episode 1 if you want to support the show you can subscribe to your favorite platform you can give me feedback and suggestions you can also waste your money <laughs> and subscribe to my Patreon to have access to exclusive stuff like all my Zoom videos interviews in advance some newsletters and other exclusive stuff. You can also PayPal me or buy me a coffee. All links are in the bio. Thank you so much, guys. I can't wait to be back next week. But until then, punk your life.